comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV podcast episode number 25 hey it's our silver anniversary wow hey guys i got you you know what i got you for our silver anniversary what, what, Absol- what, what? absolutely nothing so yeah. hey but now we're gluten-free yeah no, no doubt I just had some gluten no i am totally not gluten-free my friend i stuck me. a lot of gluten in my diet but uh <laughs> joining... sounds dirty yeah it does sound dirty but it really isn't oh. uh we have we have four shows this week we're going over. Uh, chronological Order, it'll be Gotham, Flash, iZombie, and The Arrow. But because we have a very special guest uh, with us this week, we're going to be shuffling things around again like we did last week, kind of, uh, and putting uh, iZombie at the end because it's the one show he hasn't been able to see. But, join, <laughs> but joining us is it's Fish Mooney's personal uh, uh, contact lens maker, Mr. Donnie Salvo. Hi. I thought you were going to say I was her glass eye. I got all excited. <laughs> and I was going to be like, well, you know. You I, were Sandy Duncan's glass eye. That's right. And I was the glass eye to all the stars. Sammy Davis Jr., Sandy Duncan, Columbo. I did it all. I, I've had a career. And international Marvel shooter. Star. <laughs> World's tallest midget. <laughs> it's a dwarf in a bar. Also joining me today is, <laughs> is a hot sauce connoisseur, Mr. Terrell Taylor. I loves the hot sauce. And if you see that zombie, you know why, why I went there. Sorry, Donnie. It's, that's all right. It's my own fault to be. Out of five, I watched three or two, something like that. And you guys are making me watch Daredevil. If he comes on the show one more time and mentions his Marvel show, this is DC TV podcast. <laughs> this is the mean, first is... time I'm on the show. <laughs> I got to make it sound worse than it is. I know. And the owner of his own above ground Lazarus pit, Mr. <laughs> Jump to Sheldon. I thought it was a kiddie pool. <laughs> now that sounded dirty and wrong. <laughs> But as I said, we have uh, four shows to go over this week. Gotham is called Beast of Prey. Uh, we'll start off with that one. And we get to see a familiar face in uh, Milo Ventimiglia Amelia from Heroes, but this time as a pretty evil serial killer. And that was uh, probably the most interesting plotline in this episode. Um, we have a lot of a lot of different plot threads kind of coming together toward the season finale, I suppose. Uh, first, we have Fish Mooney and her great escape from Monk Island, from the island of Doctor Moreau. Um, she she kind of uh, fakes she fakes out uh, the doll, uh, Doctor Dollmaker. Uh, gets, Does she? Well, she he gets she ends up uh, he ends up beaten on the you know floor of that basement. You know I mean, what I mean? It's just so obvious. No, no, Doctor. I'm not really trying to break out of here. But the thing that got me is, yeah, he confronted her on it alone in the basement, 
surrounded by the people he is cutting up. Okay. Oh, it's the bad dreams. You know, he comes down like he comes down to confront her all by himself, mm-hmm. no backup in the basement. Nothing. You know, no. and she just snaps her fingers, and you know, of course, he's mincemeat or whatever. Well, right. didn't he think they were locked up though, right? Well, because yeah. When she snapped her fingers, the door opened, and then right. he was yeah. like, "She had oh. brought if he had brought two guards, that would have took care of that whole thing." Exactly. That's With why. those guns, if he had two, two guards or one machine gun. Yeah, one machine had, gun could have ended that. He had to know something was up too. Anyway, that's why he went there. I don't know. He should have brought a couple of his Frankenstein creatures with him or something. No, you could tell us the part of the show where they said we just have to get rid of this character, so let's just go with it. They oh, they could have got rid of her a lot sooner in the season. They are beating a dead horse here and filling the show with nonsense because the rest of this episode is great. Yeah. Fish Mooney, I'm so sick of, so sick of. Is Eartha Kitt still alive? I think so. <laughs> I thought she took over the body of because she could sue the hell Rick. out of Jacob. <laughs> Market. Yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've been very critical of the fish movie the entire... And don't you leave me here. I'm not wearing any panties, Mark. <laughs> and for that reference, watch Boomerang. Starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Ah, the classics. It's a reversible suit. It's a... <laughs> no, we're not going down a rabbit hole. It's not no, nothing gone. All right, I'm sorry. You know I had... IMDb ready to go. <laughs> no, not, you can't do that. Nope, right. nope. Back away from the IMDb, buddy. Come on, come on. <laughs> Don't you press nope, that button. Nope. Anyway, uh, we we get the Fish Mooney uh, sequence here, like we said, the great escape of Fish Mooney from Monster Island. Uh, she fakes out uh, the big, the biggest, burliest guys in the uh, the uh, basement. Doesn't she run like a little midget though? It's yeah, like, yeah, she <laughs> does. She, does. <laughs> she was. She was funny. Why is she squinting and running like she's I mean, hurt? And, and, she's not. and how does she know how to fly a helicopter? I don't know. <laughs> she ran a. She's park, a crime boss. How does she it's know how to fly a helicopter? Eye. Oh, it's in her eye. Her eye. Yeah, she's got one of those Terminator eyes, and it just looked at. (laughs) Just reads out like vector. You mean the rest of you didn't take basic helicopter flight in junior high? (laughs) I missed out on that. No, I took German instead. Damn budget cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, she makes a daring escape. She uh, fakes out uh, some of the guys from the basement and has some uh, some decoys to lure the crazy guy with the rifle uh, away from where she's actually going, which is to the chopper. Get to the chopper. I had to say it. I knew it. Somebody had to. Um, they get in the. She gets in the helicopter, which inexplicably she knows how to fly, <laughs> uh, with Flynn and like maybe a, a handful of the other people from the basement. And uh-huh. the guy like gets one lucky shot and shoots her in the side. And of course, she has but, on like the the pure white robe. So like. But the, pause. Didn't y'all notice? I didn't see a hole in the helicopter. No, no, there was. There was. was. Yeah, I, yeah, I, like didn't, I didn't hole. notice yeah. it. Yep. I thought it was in the bottom of the glass. Was it in the bottom of the glass? I don't, I don't no, know. No, no, it was in like the side. That's what I thought, yeah. The metal of the saw, side, yeah, like the door. Yep. There's a couple of DC uh, shows, though, where something happens to characters that I don't like, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, all my hate mail's paying off. <laughs> I just wanted him to shoot the helicopter and it just blows up. It was I was I was thinking something like that might happen because I mean we heard, I mean you know yeah. spoilers or whatever we heard, but Jada Pinkett Smith isn't going to be around for season two. Right. No. 
you know, she she said it's only the one season. So I mean, I kind of half expected him when he took that one shot for it to be like the you know Rockford Files cliche of it blowing up, you know. With one <laughs> but no, it's just shot her in the side and they take off toward Gotham. Hopefully, this you know storyline will resume, uh, resolve itself by the uh, the finale. The other uh, the other storyline we have is with uh, Bruce and uh, and Alfred mm-hmm. and and Cat. Uh, Alfred wants to go after Payne, the guy that stabbed him and, and took all of you know Bruce's uh, files that he had on Wayne Industries. But uh, him, him like, just even standing there trying to eat breakfast in a suit or whatever is causing him to bleed all over the place, and he falls. Just uh, a touch. Yeah, just a little bit of blood, you know. And it's almost the same move that Jada Pinkett Smith has later, you know, when she looks at the blood in her hand, you know. They're the same person. <gasps> dun dun dun. Well, I said it. I said it once. I say it a million times. You should never eat shards of glass and nails for breakfast. <laughs> you really but they're full of vitamins times. and iron. <laughs> you said that a million times, really. Yep. So, um, uh, uh, Bruce enlists the help of Cat, and they go looking for pain because he's a junkie. They find him in a uh, a abandoned warehouse with a bunch of other people shooting up. Uh, on the and I'm surprising, you know, they were showing this at this time of day in a you know major network. You know, people tied off using heroin. I guess I don't know. I, I thought know. It was pretty shocking for you know being on regular Fox. I mean, we were used to that on FX or AMC or whatever. But how dare they reflect the real world? Shoot, I <laughs> shoot no, up heroin every day. I'm not the one who sets standards and practices. I'm just saying I'm surprised that I made it past. Cat steals his uh, little kit bag with his uh, stuff in it and dangles it out the window. Take my medicine. Yeah, his medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until uh, he gives them the information they need about who you know, hired him, and he you know he tries to warn them off. He's like, you know, they're gonna come after you with worse people than me if you keep you know following this. Cat drops the bag out the window anyway. It's just kind of sitting on a fire escape, and then Payne leans out the window to get his stuff. Now, help me out here on this scene. It seemed like he was leaning out the window for like a half hour. Yeah, <laughs> like he was sitting like all right. He goes out. She drops the bag. He goes out the window, kind of leans to get his thing. He's leaning. You just kind of see him kind of wiggling. You see Bruce. Bruce puts up his hands. He thinks about pushing him. But doesn't. I don't have to save you. You know, he thinks well, about pushing him, and then he kind of clenches his hands. Meanwhile, Payne is still like hanging out in this window. And then finally, heroin users so. don't have the best depth perception or you know eye hand coordination. So oh, I, I, I understand all that. I'm just saying he was. He's uh, been but that you know, a drug a long time. <laughs> but you know, a drug addict. I mean, my favorite part is when you're hang out, you're hung out the window, and you're. You keep telling these kids, when I get out, I'm going to tell the guys that you're looking for to come get you and kill you. Yeah, right. I didn't say kids, he oh, was the a way, member of Mensa. <laughs> I'm just glad he fell with his medicine because now he really needs it. <laughs> now, did anyone see an arrow, like an arrow pointing to his ass saying, push him? <laughs> Because I swear I saw that. It's, just, it's a little neon sign. You know. I swore I push saw him. that. I mean... Ding ding! It even had like the you know like a little dotted line where you could put your hands. You know. I thought it did. I thought it. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. He's dead. Him downstairs. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started, Daryl. And for that reference, listen to watch uh, the original Kings of Comedy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. That's how you can have a cookie. <laughs> The uh, Penguin storyline uh, progresses by Penguin wanting to buy this kind of rinky-dink bar, but the Eastern European woman who owns it won't sell it to him unless 
he gets this uh, like kind of Lothario uh, guitar player away from his daughter. Penguin swears that uh, he'll be, you know, her daughter will be back by Sunday Mass. Guitar player, they cut off his fingers, and she goes back, and uh, Penguin gets the bar, and the henchman's like, you know, why did you waste all that time and energy on, you know, this breaking ink bar or whatever? And he says, well, this is where I'm going to kill Don Maroney. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun, exactly. As ominously as you could possibly say it. He did. Poison girl. And then we get to the main storyline where uh, Jim Gordon is uh, is uh, in a kind of sneaky way handed a case of a serial killer called the Ogre, uh, as we play as we said uh, played by Milo Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia, I'm sorry. He uh, he preys on women. You know, he seems like the perfect guy, and then they go, he's you know he's good looking and and mm. uh, he lives in a very nice place, but. Uh, unfortunately, uh, women that he, he beds, he ends up like chaining to the bed, uh, keeping chained up, torturing and, uh, keeping, you know, making them live to these exacting standards until the point where they mess up and he has to punish them by, you know, pretty much dismembering and killing them. Yeah. Plus, um, every guy who has investigated him to try, try to bring him down, he has found out, you know, which tip detective is working on his case and gone after the people that the detective cared about, you know, his family. Uh, that's why he has never been caught. And that's why Commissioner Loeb dropped it in Gordon's lap to give him a headache. You would Played think, though, that the great would... Peter Scolari. That's right. Yes, Peter from Scalari. Heroes. From Heroes. From you would think buddies. that the cops would have got buddies. together. And... What are you talking about? <laughs> heroes. You would think the cops would have got together and just, and just found this dude and just killed him. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there's going to be some kind of subplot where he comes from a family of influence or something. There's got to be something, right? I mean... He's got to have a lot of money to have that whole setup where he does in his apartment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking all they need to do is call in the BAU from Criminal Minds and it'll be all over with. Because that's it's just an exact plot from an episode of Criminal Minds. That's true. It was actually. We keep seeing a flashback what the ogre does to his, uh, as he's called, does to his victim. You know, showing the one victim that, that they uh, found in like these kind of black and white flashback sequences. Mm-hmm. They get weirder and weirder. They use more and more Dutch angles as they go on and kind of get stranger and stranger looking. Gordon, after finding out that he was set up to take this case, and thus endangering like Lee and and anyone else he cares about. Literally, like grabs Loeb's collar in the middle of the police station. You know, after he's gonna, you know, he's going to go after the ogre. He's going to take him down, and then afterwards, he's coming for him. Coming for you. Coming for you. Dun, dun, dun. Pray to me. Pray to me. And that was Gotham this week, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, and I, I know we we really this is the DC TV podcast, not the DD TV podcast. But I mean, I think Daredevil got the corrupt city thing down a lot better than Gotham does. I'm just going to say I agree. They, did, they didn't need... Well, the Fish Mooney stuff just totally just messes up the tone of the show. I mean, even the pacing. That's true, because it's it's kind of like everybody else is playing it very serious, and then all of a sudden she comes in like like she's in an eight, uh, a Batman movie from the 90s. I mean, you she, know, she did the tiptoe... But you can see me in plain sight with my white suit on. <laughs> I just couldn't get over that. It's just like, who are you fooling? I just don't understand. Where's Fish Mooney? She's over there in the white suit and the neon sign that says, here I am. <laughs> you know, the one waving the hands with the colored eye. <laughs> the big shiny blue eye over there. 
I just don't. It just doesn't feel like it's the same show when she's on it. It just, I think it just messes up the 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 flow of it because her story doesn't connect with everything else that's going on. Like all the other stories are set in Gotham, they deal with the crime going on in Gotham, the corruption in Gotham. Her story has nothing to do with with Gotham anymore. So it just feels right. like, why are we doing this? Forgive me if, if you guys touched on this <clears throat> earlier, but wasn't there a doll maker in the second season of Arrow? Am I wrong? Uh, was there? Well, he is a DC character, so I had to put, I don't, I don't remember if there was or not. You, was it anybody? Could no. be right. I don't I'm know. thinking maybe, but I'm looking it up. Rabbit hole. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I will see you guys in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come. He'll come back out in about a half hour. That's right, Jan Michael Vincent. You know, just something like really, <laughs> really random. You know, Cannonball Run too. Um, Played by Peter Forrester. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, Beast of Prey. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it seems like some of the, we just have the same gripes that we've had with Gotham since the beginning. You know, because they keep doing the same. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like the 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 lack of balance and tone. I mean, is it supposed to be wacky and campy? Is it supposed to be dead serious crime drama? And it's trying to find something in between. I don't. I don't think it really catches that kind of traction. Well, because with the, with this episode, I enjoyed, even though, like I said, it was a and not a distant past episode of Criminal Minds, but a little bit of a plot ripoff there. But I enjoyed that that storyline. I especially enjoyed the stuff going on in the precinct in dealing with that storyline i absolutely despise the fish mooney stuff i would have enjoyed it had the helicopter blown up a la you know die hard three ending but other than that yeah i agree daredevil's doing a better job of the of the the corrupt city and as far as you know uh batman ish stuff goes Arrow's doing a much better job of that. So Gotham's kind of waning for me. Well, they've got to move her. I, I, I give it for next season because they got to move the Fish Mooney story out. And then and then they can kind of... Nothing else, like the all the other storylines go with what's going on. But that, the only thing that doesn't fit is the Fish Mooney thing. And I get so, it. You know, they needed a name actor or a name actress to kind of sell the series right. in the first season. That's fine. But I agree, she is overstated welcome. Her storyline has gone on way too long. Let's just get on. I really think that, you know, that it should, like I said from the beginning, it should focus on the crime drama aspect, Mm -hmm. the rise of the Penguin in the ranks, you know, the rise of Gordon through the corrupt uh, political system on the the police, you know, structure on the opposite side. And, like, you know, that's where it should really stay, I think. And it would be a lot more effective. It would be a lot better show. Well, it's got to end with the Penguin killing her, right? I mean, that's the only ending I see. In Is she going to make it back? I mean, she looks like she got shot in the side, so you would think she would just bleed out. You know, I wonder if they've misdirected us with this whole uh, Jada Pinkett Smith won't be on after the se- you know, won't be in the second season, and she's going to come back in the third as some, you know, who knows what. So um, instead of a, instead of a thumbs up or a thumbs down for, for uh, Gotham this week, I'm just going to kind of give it a meh. Well, I'm yeah. going to give it a figure it out. I'll give it a meh. Plus. I'm going to give it, um, I, I hope Robert Forrester plays Peter from Hero's father in this one, too. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I think it was, I like, like you, like you said, the, the only thing that was really crappy about it was, was Jada's storyline. So, I guess an eh as well. I really like all the other uh, plot points and whatnot. Eh, for me as well. Alrighty. Sweet, let's move on to The Flash. 
Yes. Uh-huh. Just kind of a uh, pseudo crossover this week mm-hmm. with Arrow on both sides, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it was. Actually, the way it played out. Uh, this episode, uh, episode 18, is called All-Star Team-Up, and Ray and Felicity come to Central City, pretty much. Barry has um, been trying to keep uh, the secret that he thinks that Wells is the reverse flash between him and Joe, and what he knows. He's had a hard time keeping it from them. And that was like a really major plot point in this episode, I thought. Him showing that you know he's suspicious of them, and then Cisco having that kind of flashback mm-hmm. to the uh, alternate timeline where, where Wells killed him. And, you know, he's saying he'd been having these dreams and all that other stuff. So that kind of really... Now, would that... <clears throat> like, I don't understand. Like, wouldn't that whole thing just have been erased if he changed the timeline? Like, why would he have... Yeah, I thought so, too. Flashbacks they... or, or well, dreams or whatever. Well, I, I, I like I said on the other show, I think that when... Um... You're on another show? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that when Professor... Uh, when he... Used the, he wore the suit and he vibrated through Cisco and killed him. I think some of that temporal energy from the suit connected with Cisco and he remembers the the other timeline. Well, that maybe, and also I think that Cisco is a meta who has not yet realized his powers. Well, and if it's they possible go that he remembers stuff from that timeline just like Barry. If they hmm. go with the thing of the um, the way that they've ch- kind of changed his powers um, with the DC 52 version of uh, Vibe, he can connect with the, the different vibrations of the uh, different time and stuff. Like he was able to detect yeah. uh, different energy fluctuations energy fluctuations so if they do that or maybe his suit activated it may you know maybe what he did to him when he killed him that might have activated the metagene somehow times arrow season two episode three broken dolls the doll maker was played by michael eklund did we tell you to go look for that right now I what, told what, you what, I was going what, to. He said he was gonna. He, he said he was that. gonna. If you'd like to hear more of that, please tune in to Nothing's <laughs> On. <laughs> I apologize. I just, I, I, you know, I well, can't let it go. What was you it earlier? Today was a tango and cash hole you go in town. <laughs> you started posting pictures of Kurt Russell with really big he hair. Did. He his did. hair was ginormous, dude. It I was big. It's bigger than his gun. Don't you start. All right. Don't you start. Come on. I just wanted to. All right, so that's so there was a doll maker on Arrow too. So there, you are right. Happy but, now. All right, sorry. A uh, robotics professor at the university is killed by a swarm of bees. Um, Barry has to work at you know at Star Labs and try to not give away how he, you know what's going on with him and well you know how he has suspicions for Wells uh, about Wells. It's hard for him because he's not good at being deceptive at all. But um, guess who's coming to visit? Felicity and Ray. Ray's brought mm-hmm. the Adam suit with him. Yay, um, Felicity! I really like that, that kind of bromance going on with Cisco and Ray. Oh, it's great. Uh, the, that was awesome. It paid off in the end of Arrow, which we'll talk about when we get there. But uh, I, I just thought it was really, really fun. And, um, you know, Felicity's like, hey, you know, maybe, you know, you can help Ray, Ray with the suit or whatever. But uh, Felicity realizes that something is wrong. I want to talk about, uh, yeah, she says, uh, I thought Central City was supposed to be the fun one. Plus, uh, Iris is giving Eddie static about keeping secrets from her. Straight shade. Oh man, what's going on with that? It's the same thing Barbara did to to, to Jim Gordon in in, in Gotham. Mm. You, know? <laughs> you know, after Barry's explanation to her, she should have been a little bit more understanding and sympathetic, and she just got worse. By that time, <laughs> them old Duke boys got themselves hogtied. Q Q Q. 
<laughs> oh, James Best. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Eddie Eddie's griping that you know it's, he thinks it's silly that Iris is the only one who doesn't know that he's the Flash. But you know, he explains to her, you know, you're a cop, you can defend yourself. Joe's a cop, you know, Barry has his Flash powers. You know, Iris is pretty much defenseless, and it'd be easy for her to become a hostage, even though she already has been a hostage a couple times in the show. Yeah, and don't talk to me about trying to have sex with my daughter. Yeah, that was that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, yeah, your daughter's just not putting out for me. Got all that well, attitude. Yeah. I think sometimes he forgets Joe's not just his partner. Jeez, I hope I, I hope would that's never what it was. forget that. <laughs> I would never forget that mess. No, no. How could you forget it? I don't think he'll ever forget it now. That was quite creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was quite creepy. That was a weird scene. You don't know word word for word. I don't know word for word what he says, but he pretty much didn't Yeah, we haven't had sex in, in weeks. Yeah. We haven't had sex in weeks with your daughter. And then he says something about marriage, and he looks at him like, you know, he gave him the plague or something. <laughs> like, what? Marry her? Are you kidding me? It's like, just calm down. Just no, he's it. saying that he's like, when do I get to make the decisions in my in her life or whatever yeah. instead of oh, you? So or when do I get to be the man? Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, with the whenever you become her husband or something like that. Yeah. He, that's what he said. He said, when do I get to be? When do I get to make the decision about us? Um, about that. her life, uh, about how she, right. about her life, and she said, "When he, and he straight up said, when you marry." Yep. And then he looked at her like he looked at Joe like, "Get the get the hell out of here." <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better if he just put his his like finger underneath his collar and was like, <laughs> 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 a little bit of steam came out. Yeah. <laughs> um, while they're while they're all talking about this over coffee, another bee attack is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry is caught in a in like uh, this glass enclosure with the bees, and they sting the hell out of him. Uh, but his suit isn't thick enough to protect him, and he goes into cardiac arrest. Luckily, his suit just happens to have a built-in defibrillator. Of course, it does. And I was it, waiting for him to pull out the bee repellent sh- uh, bat spray. I thought he was going to do what he did to Cisco later and like rub his hands together really fast and give himself like the lightning. You know what I mean? I thought I thought so too. Or or I thought he was going to just spin. Keep spinning and may and in creative vortex that would have blew the bees away from him and then he oh, would have ran away. He was creating lightning. I thought he was doing his Pat Morita impression. He's okay, even though he has a heart attack. He's okay. Star Labs checks him out, so yeah, he's, he's off to the most awkward dinner party ever. Yeah, <laughs> with Felicity, Ray, Iris, and Eddie. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's keeping score here. Felicity. And Ray and Eddie all know Barry's the Flash. Yes. Iris does not. Iris is throwing shade at Eddie for keeping secrets, to which Felicity and Ray... Oh, and uh, Ray Palmer decides to buy the restaurant so they have the whole place to themselves. I love rich people. Yeah, that's the same move that Bruce Wayne makes in The Dark Knight. Isn't it? Yes. uh, Well, he did it even better because he had two women swimming in the waters. Yes. I'm going to talk about that. That's true. That's not Lake Minnetonka, though. Anyway, as uh, the night gets on, goes on, you know, there's like a 17-course chef's tasting, which is absurd. I'd have been eating all the way through, and I wouldn't have cared how much they were fighting. You were just mad because you didn't see spaghetti. I'd have had it at a three-course meal. I'd have said, don't you know who's paying for this? I said they have a fight about Eddie's lying, according to Iris. Iris storms off, Eddie comes after her. Star Labs calls and tells Barry that one of the, uh, those robot bees... 
has attached himself to his suit and he needs to get back there quickly. Uh-oh. So Ray and Felicity get to sit down to a 17-course meal together in that red dress. Now, now <clears throat> we can all agree Joe has been a pretty good father. He, 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 you would say that, you know, Barry turned out pretty well because of it, right? You would think Absolutely. that Iris was raised just as well and would have manners enough to know you don't cause a scene at a dinner party where a billionaire you've never met before has paid for everything and cleared out an entire restaurant. Have some manners, woman. Have you ever been in a situation where your girlfriend thinks she's right? Um, Well, that's why I'm single. You can either either be right or you can be happy. You can't be both. (laughs) And fellas, you're never right. Just so no, you know, <laughs> no. Right. Even when you're right, you're wrong. Nope. That's right. You're damn right. right, you are. That's right. You could. My wife could be right now. She could say, "What time is it?" And I'll be like, "It's one forty-one." And she'll be like, "Is that late already?" No, it's not. I don't know what time is it. What is it? Was it quarter after five? Two <laughs> thirty? I don't know. Whatever you want. What time to. you said? Just what, leave me alone. What is your What is your wife saying? Exactly. <laughs> Just leave me alone. <laughs> there you go. Um, Wells is about to use his own flash powers to catch the bee when Barry shows up and does it for him, which is kind of weird. I mean, is he that ready to like you know show show his uh, secret? You know, show I think his he hand? thought he was fast enough to just catch it and be and be back before they noticed it. They check it out and they realize that the robot is that the bee is a robot, not a real bee. It's a robot bee mm-hmm. with a guitar. With a guitar, better than a flow bee, I guess. Oh, hey, do be a doobie. Hey, do be a doobie, but don't be a don't be. Uh, so, Breeze, uh, this woman they're after is not a metahuman. She's just a robotics expert, so like, more of a mad scientist. Um, they go to see Dr. Tina McGee. Uh, evidently, this woman worked for her, and she's played by Emily Kinney, who's best known to Walking Dead fans as Beth. Although, all she does really in this episode is sit behind a computer screen with big old glasses. Pretty much. I didn't even recognize her. And snarl at things. <laughs> I was afraid that at one point she was going to mesmerize her bee colony by singing to them. As soon as they warn her about what's going on, like almost like an hour later, she's at- indeed attacked by a robot swarm of bees. They uh, decide to send fla- the Flash after Bree herself and Ray after the bees in his atom suit. Dun, dun, dun. So we get to see Exo Manowar. I mean, Iron Man. I mean, the Blue Beetle. I'm sorry, the Atom. <laughs> it, it, is it me or did it look less cheap in this episode than it does in Arrow? I agree Just a little bit. I thought yeah, so too. Yeah, I'll go with that. And I don't know why they they got this. It's weird. And... It's I just can't wait for him to shrink, man. I just can't wait because it's like oh, I know. I thought it was going to happen in one of these two episodes. Yeah, especially like with the when they were talking about the what was it a couple episodes where he was. Uh, jacked up in the hospital and they needed to do the the surgery with right. the nano bots right. and stuff and i was like yeah, yes yes probes. yes yes no no it didn't happen are they gonna wait till ant-man comes out and go look we can shrink too man we gotta be a <laughs> it'll be a finale thing be a i wonder if flash out. has a better per episode budget than arrow and they were able to up the effects a little bit on that Adam. may be the case the um, there's an interesting little thing toward that though, like an Easter egg in here, where you know after they fight this girl or whatever, you know Ray Palmer's like I, I you know I had the wrong idea all along. I kept going bigger instead. Of the idea that I had is to think small, right? So I mean that I mean there've been a few things leading up to us believe. I mean it's easy to believe that it's going to end up you know the atom that we know and love, right? Just stop teasing me. <laughs> uh, Barry shows up at the the at Bree's uh, hideout. 
Bree and Felicity have a hot girl hack off, mm-hmm. you know, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> they were just like typing, typing, you know, and, uh, and Felicity's like dropping the mic and stuff. And it, it was pretty funny. I loved it. Ray's out in the suit and he's led the robot bees after him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to get rid of them. Finally, he like skims the water surface and is right. able to get most of them off of him that way. And then uh, um, uh, uh, Cisco and Caitlin drive by in the van. He flies the Adam suit into the van and lands it. Pretty yes. cool. Pretty cool move. It, it, it uh, un- unfortunately, though, after they stopped the van, one of the bees survived and it stings Cisco. Yeah, because he jumped right in front of him to save him. Luckily, uh, Felicity is a bigger badass and uh, disables the bees and Barry uh, handcuffs Bree and runs to where uh, um, Cisco is laying. He uh, uses his hands to create electricity and shocks Cisco's heart back into rhythm. Later, Amanda Pace's character talks to Barry and says, you know, she wanted to apologize for, you know, not listening to her warnings. And then explains to him that Dr. Harrison Wells was like this incredible, kind and and philanthropic guy. But then after his fiancé died, he was like, Mm -hmm. it was like he was a totally different person. Yeah, he is kind. He is loyal. It's just, just, I have I no just, idea where that was going, but I just, uh, I'm just waiting for it to, to, to kind of go. He, he used to be willing was. to help. <laughs> I blame that butler. Wrong show. Wrong show. Um, everything that goes on that happened with Cisco. It's because of that butler? <laughs> I thought he was going to say hey. I was waiting for the butler. <laughs> everything that happens to Ray is because of that butler. butler. <laughs> This is not my fault. I didn't say a word. You know what? Now all we got to do is talk about Dudley in the bike shop, and it's officially a fucking solid episode because of everything Cisco and Caitlin went through. Uh, you know, and, and um, you know, Cisco helping out Ray and everything, and everything that's been going on. Uh, Barry and Joe decide to let Cisco and Caitlin in on their suspicions about Doctor Wells. This is when Cisco lets him know that he's been having these dreams about everything that happened in that episode that was the alternate timeline about you know him being killed. By Doctor Wells. Um, right. Oh, I forgot to mention when that when Ray shows up in the Adam suit. You know, they say, "Is that a bird?" Yes. Is it a plane? Is it a plane? It's my boyfriend. Oh, and the the, 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 the I forgot to also Felicity says, "You know, I'm, it's like I'm dating Barry and Oliver's body." Yeah. <laughs> and then is immediately uh, embarrassed by having said that. Okay, so another great episode of The Flash. Moving on up. Um, thumbs up. Thumbs up for me too. Totally. Hundred percent. I'm thinking this, what's cool about this episode, they called it All-Star Team-Up, you know, and it's like, it reminds me of the old-school team-ups, you know, where they bring the, the characters together in the Brave and the Bold or whatever. Yeah. But this might be, what I'm thinking is, do you think maybe this might be the way they're going to go with that spinoff show, where they have, like, just a couple of heroes in each one, like, kind of round-robin, changing it up? I, I think, think so, because if you get rid of Wells, like, if Wells is gone by next season, they're going to have this Star Labs place you know, full of research stuff. You know, they can repair people's suits. They could do tests on other people when they get hurt. Well, here's like, a question. Have we been given a possible title for this spinoff yet? No. Nope. nope. Because I think it'd be cool if it were called The Brave and the Bold. Or All-Star Showcase. It could be that any, too. yeah. It could be either one of those things, but I, but Star Labs would be the perfect place to to funnel out, you know, have people come in and 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 do that. And Cisco could could be the guy. He could be help people with the tech and stuff, and yep. relay information. Criminals, they could, t- you know, when they capture criminals and stuff, they could put them there. 
they could round robin and oh. like focus on a couple of characters each episode rather than trying to yeah. have like a big team or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so much you can do with it once you get rid of Wells. The one thing about Flash, though, is like whenever he's in Star Labs and he's muttering to himself or he has that look on his face and then it pans over to, to Wells' face and he has that smirk like, oh, yes. I think he knows something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then Fish Mooney's sneaking around. and Because they do that like a couple of times it. every episode. Oh, they do. Quite Jake. Yeah. So, is, is if the uh, the trailer for next week is anything to be believed, it's going to pay off in some interesting ways with the whole Wells mystery. Oh, as yeah. we, we head toward the end of the season, and uh, let's move on to Arrow, the other half of our crossover. Yay! Uh, not as not as heavy as a cross uh, of a crossover as uh, the Flash was. How do you feel about that? Do you think they should cross over as often as they have, or they should do it more often or less often? Uh, or I'm for think, more often, but yeah, I'm I'm for more, you know, being able to do it as long as it feels natural, man. Mm-hmm. And so far, it's been flowing pretty natural, right? So, you know, it, it obviously these cities, it would be like to me, it seems like it was like somebody from New York is going to visit somebody in New Jersey or or Philadelphia or something. It's not that far away, so you know what I mean. It's it's realistic that they would see each other every once, and then when there's a problem. I don't know, maybe that's just a comic nerd in me. Just so Like used with to Firestorm, it, you know? like you could fly. I mean, you, these for the flyers, it's nothing. You just, you know, hop out there and fly back and forth to different cities. We we start Arrow this week, uh, episode eight, episode 19, I'm sorry, called Broken Arrow. Was that a Christian Slater movie? Yes. Donnie? It's an American Treasures Christian Slater movie that he made with John Travolta. I know it, was Donnie, Johnny, it was a John Woo movie, actually. I know Donnie's the biggest Christian Slater fan that I know. So. You know he is. John Travolta was like, oh my God, there's a nuclear missile over here. I'm going to take it. <laughs> and then Christian Slater goes to stop him. That was the whole plot. Captain, <laughs> Captain Lance is going crazy, just like last uh, last time. Yeah, I'm tired of him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going kind of overboard now. Exactly, um, and his character has always been one that I've liked, and now he annoys me, and not just because he's against Oliver, but because he is just ridiculously playing it over the top. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but I, I do like how his buddy came up to him and was like, dude, you got a person in prison for this, why don't you just calm down, relax, you're a captain now. He said, you got a job, son. You try, yeah, no, that right. character. When was the last time we saw that guy too? That character is like I don't know, like or maybe earlier. I don't know. It's been listen while. when your black friend in a movie or a TV show comes to tell you to calm down, you calm that's down. That's right. That's right. He just yeah. pops in for that Negro wisdom. Hey. Yes, Poof, he's gone. Yeah. Drop, drop some knowledge, and I'm out. Mm. And he's out. Yeah, you listen. You let it go. But there can't be two in the same room as no. every teenage romantic comedy because they'll cross each other out, and you won't know what to do. That's true. <laughs> um, Laurel uses the DA's office to get them to release Oliver and to take Roy in. Oliver pays uh, Roy a visit in the interrogation room and asks him what the hell he's doing. And Roy explains, you know, they need Oliver more than they need him. And he still feels guilty for killing that cop under the influence of the drugs and stuff. Yep. So he's got a guilt complex, so he's willing to take one for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, of course, to make things even more fun, there's a metahuman bank robber running around named Jake Simmons, who's a.k.a. Deathbolt or a.k.a. Cyclops, really. Mm-hmm. That came out of nowhere to have a metahuman just, just drop in. Yeah, in it was, well, the end of this episode, they mentioned something pretty interesting about that. But, so, yeah. Right, and, and just for the record, Deathbolt was actually a bad guy from the, I believe it was like the 40s. He was a Justice Society yes. bad guy. 
Yeah. And those were his powers. Was uh, that's cool. I just I just thought it looked a lot like Cyclops with the red glowing eyes and the. I mean, come on. I felt it was also a bigger statement from what they the production had said prior to the season about how they were going to have no metas. Mm-hmm. In Arrow, and but, now it was like it bold in our face. Okay, well, we we're lie. changing the world. I mean, this this is pretty much right. changing the 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 world. Right. They were they weren't banking on the success of the Flash either. You know what I no. mean? No. This, like we said before, the Flash is the most successful show the CW has ever had. Mm-hmm. Like I think in it's their a history, game changer for superhero so. shows. Period. Well, no doubt, but um. I think that uh, you know once they saw the kind of success that that idea had of actually having metahumans and stuff, that they decided to run with it, and it's really interesting to me because it's kind of the almost the opposite of of the original uh, uh, philosophy behind uh, Smallville. You know, they didn't want to have is. they would, didn't want to have people in you know t- tights and capes, and they didn't want to have that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. and now you know they're going the opposite direction, and it's you know the most successful show they've ever had. So totally, yeah, totally, pretty awesome. It's funny how the CW has become what the Sci-Fi Channel should be. <laughs> I just want you know what I want the CW Channel to just end up becoming the DC Channel. It's almost becoming that. I mean, every show, right? just about almost every show on the CW is either somebody with superpowers, uh, some type of supernatural aspect to it. Like they're just yeah. that's all you see is most of the shows. That'd be awesome. The ones that work, like the successful shows, there's some kind of sci-fi or, or, or something to it. All Warner has to do is is buy out uh, CBS's share of that sh- station, and boom, they yep. can do it. Take it over, like the car. I mean, because already, I mean, we already have you know, the preacher show down the 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 pike, the Supergirl show down the pike, the Titan mm-hmm. show coming down the mm-hmm. pike. I mean, there's a lot of DC shows, a lot of DC properties that are spinning into television. Exactly. You guys are going to be putting out like three podcasts a week. Yep. Right. And all that just think all the money we'll make. What's amazing is the yes. Warner Brothers movie folks need to get in line, you know, because they're doing a better job with television than they have with a lot of their movies. You can get on that soapbox when we get to the news, Grandpa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that trailer. Don't worry. Don't make me get the switch after you, young whippersnapper. Oh, yeah. shut up, Jesse. As soon as Oliver is about to go out and try to, you know, bring this guy in, um, Oliver hears about this man of human. He's just about to go suit up and take care of business, and that's when uh, Detective Lan- or Captain Lance comes in to the, you know, the hideout under the Verdant Club, and you know, of course, he's going to keep an, a guy on Oliver Queen to make sure he doesn't, you know, do any more Arrow stuff, right. and they try to shut down the. Um, the hideout under Verdant, and the only uh, fingerprints they find down there are Roy Harper's, thanks to Diggle and Felicity. So now everyone knows about that basement. Right. It's yep. time to move the Arrow Cave. They have to. I, I would think that they would have well, to. Well, and just in li- in lining up more with your uh, very well-proven theory, Daryl, of this being a more Batman than anything is he talks about his secondary lair in the city or whatever, you know? Yeah, he had that be- yeah, before they mentioned that. Arrow realizes he's going to need someone else to help uh, with this. Metahuman, since he's you know, under scrutiny, and uh, the Flash is kind of busy, according to Felicity with Wells and all that. So uh, he reluctantly calls in the help of Ray Palmer, who is all, like, giddy about it. He's like, oh, it's a team-up. High five. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty giddy. funny to see that, you know, Oliver just kind of growling at him and stuff. It was, yeah. 
That was pretty humorous. Yeah, Ray decides to go confront Deathbolt on his own, gets his ass handed to him and fly, you know, flees, comes back and Arrow's like, son, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> he's like, you know, you're relying too much on your tech. You, know, you need to rely more on your instinct. You know, he's trying to, like, break through to Ray and kind of explain to him that the suit is the man inside the suit. Meanwhile, Roy's first night in prison is not so good. On his way back to his cell, he gets attacked by four dudes. And uh, although he takes them down, he uh, gets sliced across the back. Oh, yeah. Um, after mm-hmm. hearing about this, Oliver's like, screw it. I'm going to go get, I'm going to break Roy out of prison right now. You know, but Diggle, Diggle tries to talk him down, but fails. Finally, Felicity, you know, it's like, look, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to change anything. You know, you're not going to, by getting him out of the prison, the only thing it's going to do is make you feel better. Um, and he's able, she's able to, you know, Felicity talk some sense into him. We also mm-hmm. get, like, some Felicity moments here where she's kind of, like, almost says she loves him again. Ah, please don't. Um, when when uh, Ray was fighting Deathbolt before, he realized that when he shot him with the energy ray that he said he was topping him off. So, obviously, he... You know, is able to convert energy into you know his death bolt ray eyes or whatever. So the way they're going to track down death bolt is by seeing where he's sucking energy from. They uh, decide to send Felicity by herself into the darkest generator in the city, all alone, unarmed, with no one with her. Mm-hmm. And she does. And when she sees the dude, she has the nerve to keep asking him about his eyes. Yes, oh, that's smart. Know. Yeah, that's always smart too. He's got Felicity. He's about to he's about to uh, kill her, and she's able to get away by hitting with steam pipes. And meanwhile, it's Ray to the rescue, but with uh, Oliver driving. So Oliver's got like this like VR tech or whatever that allows him to make the moves, right? Kind of direct Ray's body with the suit. So he's laying a good pummeling on Deathbolt, but Deathbolt like fries the tech, and he's unable to uh, make connection anymore. And Ray has to fight him on his own. And Oliver gives him the, uh, you know, like the Apollo Creed speech, you know, this is about who's stronger. This is about who has more heart, you know, and. um, Rocky, you can't win. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ray Ray kicks Deathbolt's butt and takes him to Central City. Now, this is the part I was talking about. First Uh of all, Cisco and Ray have another, like, bromance bonding moment where he's like, uh, I was thinking Deathbolt, and they high-fives. He's like, you're the only other one that makes up good names for these guys. Yeah, I love that. That was great. And then the other part where Cisco's like, well, this dude was in Opal City when uh, when all this went down, yet he still got superpowers. Yeah, Opal City, home of the Starman uh, family, actually, in DC Comics. Um, But he's like, he was in Opal City when the uh, particle accelerator exploded, you know, not in Central City. And, you know, so, you know, what's going on? He was also, how did he get metahuman powers? And they kind of addressed the question that we've had all along. How do they eat and inside that prison? Well, funny you should mention that because there's a blog that WB puts out uh, and CW puts out called The Chronicles of Cisco, uh-huh. and it's a blog ostensibly written by Cisco, and it kind of fills in that backstory. It kind of explains like, uh-huh. how Cisco gets some food. Uh-huh. There was a one recently where he wanted um, the the one dude, uh, the weather wizard, wanted uh, Cisco to take like and pour a bottle of scotch out on the dude's grave, his brother's grave. It's pretty. It's called The Chronicles of Cisco. If you Google it. It's cute, you know. It's fun. It's not like essential mm-hmm. if you're a Flash fan, but it adds like some some things to it. All right, I'll check it out. I like that. Uh, Oliver it's... returns to his apartment. He sees Detective Lance there with Thea. They're searching the place out, mm-hmm. and this is when he gets the uh, the the Negro wisdom from his his buddy on the force. It's like, hey, dude, you know, why are you having this? You know, we already got a guy in prison for this. Um, as this is going on, 
they get the call that Roy has been killed in prison, which, of course, causes Oliver to freak. Of course. He leaves and he goes to get suited up. And when, when he does, he finds Felicity and Diggle there. And uh, they're like, we hope you don't hate us. Evidently, they worked it out to fake Roy's death so he could get out of prison. And uh, here's the thing that got me, okay? They supposedly had total surveillance on, on Queen, right? Mm-hmm. They would definitely be you know, um, suspicious of, of Roy's death if there was no body so quick after it happened, right? Right. Yet they have this giant tearful goodbye on an open public street. <laughs> To say goodbye well, to Roy for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> we're we're assuming Captain Lance's uh, uh, wisdom he received from his friend has paid off by now, and he's pulled them back. I just I seemed a little scared. But it, yeah, it was just Come a little on. bit. If he did an underground tunnel and he told him in the tunnel and then he left, I could get it. I I could understand it. But that's the thing of there. Either there's too many cops in in Central City, or there or there's not enough cops. <laughs> and it, it switches. It, every episode is a different thing. So I, I'm just like, yeah, here we are on a public, st- well lit public street. You know, let's all say goodbye to the guy who just faked his own death to get out of prison. He didn't even change his hair. Or face no, or not nothing. at all. He looks exactly the same. He got a dope car though. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, fake your death in prison and come out with a dope car. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that was a nice ride. That was like the, the Arsenal Mobile or something. They had uh, big banners in the back that says, Congratulations, Roy. Good luck. Congratulations, <laughs> 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 Roy Harper. With a smiley face on it. Bunch of tied cans off the uh, back of the bumper. There you go. Um, then we got Connor and our husband are lighting fireworks in the background. And on the side, it says Oliver is not the arrow. <laughs> um, we we cut to Thea who's drinking a glass of red wine and grieving Roy by herself, mm-hmm. and she gets a visit from Mister Rache Al Ghul. Yeah, I'm gonna try to fight him because I can fight. Well, what else could she do, really? Run. You know, he's Rache Al Ghul. She tries to go for the door. No, she tries to run, and he's like there already before she can even get there. Don't you remember that? She's like, oh yeah. She, she drops the wine, like tries to run, and he's like standing there in front of her. Like it yeah. didn't seem like he'd moved at all. Well, um, you know what? Ha- if she had moved, like they told her to. This is my favorite part of this whole show. This wouldn't have happened. Uh, he grabs Thea. He gives her a rock bottom through a glass uh, coffee table. Smell with the rage is cooking. And then, then runs her through the heart with a sword and says, "Yes." All this the did. only way that scene could have been better is if Laura was standing behind her. And then you see Fish Mooney tip tiptoeing behind everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go back to Fish Mooney. You gotta watch that scene where she gets shot one more time because like the guy who asked if she could fly the helicopter uh-huh. and she's like and then she didn't get a chance to answer or whatever, and then she gets shot. Look at that dude's face. <laughs> He didn't have a look like what? (laughs) I'm sorry, we're talking about Arrow. But yeah, that was like, I was like, hurrah. And now they're going to put her in the Lazarus pit and she's going to come out and be four foot 11 of pure crazy. Is that what's going to happen? And she can fight. Well, I mean, he's going to have to become race for them to do that. Yeah. Not not if he breaks in because he got what's his um what's his name on the inside um Katana's husband I keep forgetting his name Maceo I think yeah, he's, he's gonna kill Ray I think he's gonna take over or or at least pretend to do and then he's gonna kill him I think they're all and gonna he break won't in. He, he won't be dead but I think he'll just be 
taken off it's the gonna, board for a minute. It's gonna be it's gonna be a heist, man. Like they're gonna like mm-hmm. Merlin's gonna he's gonna pretend like he's he's surrendering, and when he does that, Team Arrow's gonna come in the back door. Well, I don't think. think Does anybody? Does anybody? Does anybody think that when he comes back, he's going to change his name and costume a little bit and and call himself Green Arrow, as opposed to just the Arrow? There you go. They'll never know it's me. I'll just add the word Green. I just have a feeling they're going to do that. Like even though I wore Green Arrow all the time earlier. Well, and Ollie will start wearing glasses, and no one will recognize him. There you go. It'll grow a goatee. What if he? What if he grows the Robin Hood goatee? Perfect. I'm in. Never know. By the way, I've never mentioned it, but I, and as much of a Liam Neeson fan as I am, I like this guy's portrayal of Raj much better. I think it's different. And this this episode more than any, because yeah, because he did to Thea. Because <laughs> 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 you're only only slightly less annoyed by Thea than you are by Laurel. Is that why? Yeah, I guess. Uh, the flashbacks this episode, Oliver goes after Waller, but it turns out the Waller's not behind what's going on. It's General Shreve, who was played by the Beastmaster, Mark Singer. Well, can't, I... can't imagine Beastmaster would be evil, but yo, no. he is. Um, they, they steal some of the uh, plans to unleash the Alpha Omega bioweapon, but they steal some vaccine, but then they realize that they are the only ones who can stop him. So instead of running away and saving themselves, they decide to stay in Hong Kong and stop him. He's mad. He lost one of his ferrets. He's gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna take it out on everyone. It. So that was Arrow this week. I thought it was a pretty good episode. Well, it changed the it changed the thing. Now we now they I guess they're gonna figure out that there are more meta humans all you know around all over the place. I guess Which that are not too. all caused by the accelerator. Well, and uh, is CBS are they still planning on tying in Supergirl to this universe? I, I heard rumors on both sides that they were and then they weren't. Yeah, I, I, have I, I, I know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not. Because this will help with that, too, because obviously her meta has nothing to do with... Of course, she's not a meta-human. She's a meta-Kryptonian, but still. Right. The she's guy a... who played Raza Ghoul was a former rugby star. How about that? Hmm. Oh, wow. Sorry. I'm in a rabbit hole. This is what happens. <laughs> rugby Donnie. Al Ghoul. Donnie, Donnie, rugby Donnie. Al Ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, so I guess this is this is kind of setting up the end of uh, this is kind of setting up where I think all these changes that we complained about, you know, like the the, the slow moving changes that they were doing. Um, I guess this is kind of explains it. They want to change it up mm-hmm. and, and kind of open up the world to metas and things like that. And and I mean, it's got to be Oliver's got to come back as you know. As the symbol of Green Arrow. I mean, what else are they going to do with him? He's that guy who used to be Arrow. And like I said, uh, Thea getting rock bottom and stabbed through a table was just (laughs) icing on the cake. I was already into it because they they totally got me with the whole uh, Roy faked his own death thing. Oh, me too. I I tweeted out, I'm like, I hope my theory of, you know, Barry resetting the timeline is going to happen and Roy will be back. And then all of a sudden, scene where they reveal he faked his death, I'm like, well, damn it. Okay, Twitter, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, they totally I thought tri- they were going to do the, the prison movie thing where, like, he's, he gets stabbed and he's in the infirmary. And then the guys who work in the infirmary are going to take care of him. You know what I mean? Like that old trope. But uh, no, they, you, they, uh, they found a guy who could do out. the scream thing. You grow you remember the end out. of Scream, or you just don't stab me so deep. I felt that one. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but you throw the you know, he grows his hair out a little bit, gets a little bit of a beard or whatever. He's really Arsenal, Arsenal. You know, he mm-hmm. 
you can kind of change that up. He's got that badass red car now too. So yeah, that, yeah, he's got the badass this, red car. Chicks love the car. This is <clears throat> this is kind of um, DC news. Furious Seven passed the Dark Knight to become the nineteenth highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, I saw that. You like you know me, Daryl. I like to keep things on track. I know. You <laughs> like <laughs> oh wow! Really? <laughs> That's your name. I thought you only saw them. <laughs> track sour. Well, we're going to move on to iZombie now. So, Donnie, let's Get out hang here. out and talk about a show you haven't seen. You the second episode was cool. <laughs> it's been cool. It's been cool all along, actually. <laughs> Do you gotta right. go, or you just want to hang out and talk the news after? No, I should probably get going. Uh, right now, the baby's sleeping. He, he, I don't know when he's gonna wake up, but it should yeah. be around now. So, I'm in the same, I'm in uh, the same boat, I'm waiting for so, the baby uh, to explode. All right. <laughs> so y'all need to stop having these drunk babies all the time. I have one drunk baby, Daryl. Okay, I'm not like Jim, who just keeps having them and having them. Okay. <laughs> To, it's getting expensive in food and vodka and everything. I can't. I wanted, it's not that I wanted to get drunk. I had to get drunk. <laughs> Donnie, thanks for joining us, man. I'm glad you could uh, uh, hop on. Thanks for. I know um, this is like uh, weeks in the making. But um, if you want to listen to Donnie on uh, on other podcasts, uh, Daryl and I do a show with him called Nothing's On every week. All about television and movies and all kinds of fun stuff like that. He also occasionally does a, a podcast called the Sunday Comics Podcast and another one called Tales from the Attic. And you can find all that stuff at the Taylor Network of Podcast.com. Perfect. I couldn't have said that any better than my, myself. Me, I could have. But thank you for having me. And, thank um, you for being had. Ha- Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of prison. On that joke, I'm leaving. Oh, I had a royal for it. Gotta keep it dirty, shock jock. Bye. Bye. Don Salvador, everyone. The Yahoo Sirius of the Millennium. <laughs> the new Paul Hogan of, of Connecticut. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, this week yeah. on iZobby, the episode is called Flight of the Living Dead. Yes. Liv and, uh, and Ravi go to a, uh, an investigation of a woman who died in a skydiving, what looks like accident. It turns out to be a college friend of Liv's. Um, she's part of this group called Max Rager, which is a company that you know makes this uh, energy drink that may or may not be tied into the Zombrex and the zombie outbreak. It seems like they kind of mm-hmm. had some hints there, you know. Yeah, it seemed like it. Like it was tied to the, the utopian drug in some way. And inadvertently meets a boy zombie who isn't Blaine, who she kind of uh, falls over uh, head over heels for. But it kind of um, coincides where they're eating the brain of her friend who was kind of a thrill seeker and a live live dangerously and you know, live live fast kind of uh, person. So she's more outgoing. And uh, it turns out that um, it was all a uh, that she was actually murdered um, as part of a, a cover up for some of their sponsorships or whatever from this energy drink. And uh, but the interesting thing about this episode is the the girl who did the murdering disappears mm-hmm. like they never find her like they find her wet shower they find her a shower which is wet but with no curtain there was still like a casserole in the oven that was time to that went off while they were searching the house so she hadn't been planning on leaving she just kind of disappeared well and i'm also curious about the shower curtain because she leaves all this stuff in her apartment behind including the cooking casserole 
but she know she takes the shower curtain. Or maybe someone took her by wrapping her in the shower, like she was yeah, taking a shower. That's that's where I'm going. With it is. I don't think she went left out. of her own volition. I think no, that's that what they say. They say as much too. That, you know, Do they? Okay, Bobino, I missed it. I guess. So. Robino says, uh, you know, um, I, I don't think she was planning on leaving. Um, we also find out there are a lot more zombies than we thought there were. Mm-hmm. Like Robino's boss, uh, Clive's boss. Yeah, is suspiciously putting super duper hot sauce on everything, including his coffee. There was the one scene where did you did you catch that? Like he had a cup of coffee, yeah. and then Robin O left the room, and he like doused it full of hot sauce and put the hot sauce away. Yeah. Um, like I said, she also kind of falls head over heels for this male model zombie, who is like I don't know. Joey Dreamboat or whatever, as, as far as zombies go. <laughs> which which I was kind of shocked at first. Not shocked, but surprised. But I knew something was up, because as he's making the drink, he's like putting peppers as garnishes and putting all these hot sauces and stuff in it. And I'm like, he knows something about her. And, but I, I was thrown off because he, he didn't have the white skin and white hair and, you know. Right. But they've already set up that, you know, they can change their appearance to look more human if they want to. Right. right. Plus, I mean, when Liv is eating brain, it's, it's something I noticed in the show, too. When Liv has had her brains, like, she isn't as pale. Mm-hmm. When right. she hasn't eaten, she's more and more pale. So, right. you know, the same deal with, the, like, this male model zombie that she meets. And uh, and now, you know, the, the captain of the police department, we just... There are a lot of zombies floating around. That, that you know, a lot more than I mean, we were led to believe at the beginning of the thing that you know she she only thought she was the only one, maybe you know. Yeah, and Blaine is making more. Yeah, and Blaine's making Blaine's a lot more. Blaine's making more, and also I'm wondering if you know there were a, the existence of them from whatever happens from this drug or whatever prior to the boat party. I think so. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see the fallout from that. Uh, we also see the subplot with Major. Uh, her ex-fiance trying to find out what's going on with these missing kids. And uh, he goes down to uh, that, that skate park and is, like, looking around. And he sees his friend, his missing friend's shoes on another guy's feet, calls him on it. The guy turns out to be yet another zombie who kicks Major's ass and, like, yeah. leaves him, like, bleeding on a sidewalk. I don't know if it killed him or not, but he was not in a good way by the end of the Well, episode. who would have thought? I mean, you knew something bad was going to happen when... Clyde told him, don't do anything stupid. That is the TV trope of he's going to do something yep, stupid. Yep, exactly. So, uh, it, it was really, like, kind of weirdly uplifting at the end of it, where she's all like, you know, I'm ready to feel again, I want to be alive again now more than ever, and that kind of stuff. That was pretty, like, uh, em female empowering, but kind of um, uh, more upbeat than I expected for, you know, her zombie outlook. Yeah. And I I like the addition of this boyfriend to be character. I'm kind of hoping that goes because they seem to. I don't know. There's good chemistry between them as actors. For one thing, they just kind of own the room, you know. And that it's really good. Um, I also enjoy them furthering the relationship between her and um, the Emmy. I can't think of his name, but Robbie. Yeah, whenever they're, t especially like at the beginning of the episode when they're, before she realizes that's her friend, mm -hmm. 
in the tree and they're going on about shish kebab and cocktail wieners, corn dogs and lollipops. Oh, yeah, and food on that deck, hilarious. Right? Yeah. It's funny, uh, Diane, uh, if people want to listen to the one of the co-creators of the show, uh, Diane uh, Rigirio is uh, one of the co-writers on it. She's not the showrunner. It's still um, Rob Thomas. But she she kind of does the dialogue and stuff for this. It's she was actually a comedian. She tried to be a comedian back in the day. So a lot of the quirky stuff that you hear that comes from that and Veronica Mars, a lot of that is her. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah. So she has a comedic uh, and she's funny on the show. Like if you listen to it, you could tell that's her voice. You could so you could definitely hear uh, Veronica Mars and. Um, and the and the character uh, in I Zombie, you can hear that voice from her. Well, speaking of something th- that uh, had a lot of humor, the I Zombie show, something that had very little humor at all. Let's move to to the news, shall we? Now, Daryl and I have already sounded off about this trailer, so I'm going to let Chubb go first. Chubb, Batman v Superman trailer, go. Okay. Well, when I first watched it, I saw the Portuguese or whatever it was subtitled, you know, uh, leaked one, and. I wanted to like it, but wasn't impressed. Then I got to see the actual trailer in HD yesterday, and I have to say, you know, a lot of the shots, the scenes, there were some very impressive things and some very iconic things, but I'm still, and I really, really want to like it, but I'm still not that excited for it, you know, and it's the first trailer, so they're not going to reveal much, but... I don't know. It's. It, I'm kind of hoping though that it proves me wrong. Much like when Man of Steel's trailer first came out and he's on the fishing boat and all that stuff, I was like, "What in the hell are they making?" And I, I loved Man of Steel. I mean, there were some issues, but overall, I really liked it. So I'm hoping that not being impressed by this trailer so much is proof that I'm going to end up liking this film. Interesting logic. My own, my biggest uh, fear about this movie is what I said on Facebook when it, um, when I saw the, the trailer. I'm just worried it's going to kind of collapse under the weight of its own self-importance. It just seems very serious and very important and very, you know, I don't know. And, and I want this to be a great movie. I want this movie to hit it out of the park so we get all the rest of the DC slate of movies that they planned. I, you know, I, I'm so excited to see all of those, especially and including this one. But I'm just I see this trailer and I'm just wondering, you know, how this is going to this is going to play with, you know, the the you know the movie going public. I mean, we're we're all going to go see it because we're nerds. I mean, we're geeks. We'll, we'll go see it because it's a Superman versus Batman movie. But yeah. I mean, is it going to? I'm just wondering if it's going to have that kind of crossover appeal to people who aren't. I mean, Man of Steel did well, but it didn't do Avengers well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't make right. the kind of money that that you know some of the big temple Marvel movies have made. It didn't make as much money as you know Guardians or whatever. So I'm really I'm I want this to be a great movie. Not only for this movie's sake, but for all the movies to come from this universe, I want this to to be a, a home run, out of the park, number one, you know, great movie. I just am, am worried about the way they're portraying it in this trailer. You know, the the kind of imagery they chose, the kind of you know the, the conflict they're kind of half setting up in the trailer, but not really explaining at least to me all that well. Um, I'm just wondering how that's going to play for you know the average moviegoer. Does DC? Or Warner Brothers have a Kevin Feige type character behind any of their 
Jack Snyder. To start this universe. Zack Snyder was is their their closest. Kind of, but one. not. I don't. I don't know if he's exactly the same equivalent. Yeah, well, maybe they it's more really the Josh need Whedon. somebody. Yeah, I they think need... he's more of the Josh Whedon than, than he is the uh, the Kevin Feige. I don't know. They they need that strong base of DNA running through everything that Marvel has, and I just don't think they have it. I'm just wondering, you know, how is a... I mean, I can see where a, a Suicide Squad movie would fit easily into that universe, but how does Zam movie fit into that universe? You know, being I more would've... of a light, lighter touch and more of like a kid-friendly type thing, or... I don't know, I'm interested to see, I, obviously, the movie, and I just didn't think the trailer was probably the best trailer they probably could have cut. Well, I know they want... It seems like it's going to be the world does not trust superheroes, period. Like it, it seems to be that's the a, a lot of mistrust with superheroes, and I guess once you have Superman winds up being the most powerful of all of them. Right now, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any other superhero that is is as as powerful as he is, um, which starts up a, a whole thing of problems. Because I don't know how far they jump. Because to have that statue up, you would have to jump a little bit farther from Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm seeing hints of you know, you know, I'm seeing hints of that Superman's being worshipped almost as a but god. But it's the and... opposite though, because it looks like Batman is more in tune with the government, and Superman is on the other side, being the one that they all want to get rid of. Hmm. hmm. I don't know because if you did the whole thing of them talking about this guy, this 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 super powered dude, this messiah, is he a messiah or is he a devil? Is he a demon? Is he like what? Well, I'm thinking they're taking it a bit further. I mean, in the comic, you have Lex as president, and he's got Superman as his you know secret weapon. Um, basically, no one's going to go to war anywhere in the world because the United I- States. I don't think he's going to be working for this at all. Right, but what if what if this has gone beyond that, and now Superman has you know he's broken himself away from the U.S. government, but now he's more he does things on his own to save the world, and not everybody agrees with you know who's he to say what is. I don't I I don't know what they're gonna like. I don't have any info on it. All I can go by is how many times I watched Man of Steel and watching this trailer. And I right. really and and looking at how they do DC fifty two, uh, kind of the the tone with how they deal with Superman and heroes in general, it seems to me that in the, when he talks to the general at the end of Man of Steel, and he made a point of saying, "I will not be working for any government entity, but I will be trying to help people." That's it. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna control me. You're not gonna dictate what I'm doing and I think that there's a I think that there's that kind of thing to it because in the trailer when he's looking away he looks uncomfortable when people are trying to when they're looking at him like they want to worship him he seems to be uncomfortable with it not liking it and looking away from it well but at some point between Man of Steel and this film, he's become, you know, some kind of iconic hero to the people. I mean, somebody built that statue. Well, maybe for Metropolis, he becomes an iconic because maybe, I I mean, I know he didn't, they didn't mention anything of him helping to build, rebuild Metropolis, but I don't know, maybe he helps to rebuild as the movie 
you know, as they go from Man of Steel to this, and at this time, this point of time, he's been, he's Superman, he's been going out, he's been helping, he's been, and maybe they feel a kind of a loyalty to him, but that doesn't mean everybody feels that right. that type of loyalty. Hmm. And then you have the religious people. It's darker tones, and it's not going to be. It is a turn. It will be a turn off to people. I, I I agree. It will be a turn off to people to deal with the religious aspect of it. Like this guy comes in, he is godlike. It's like Thor, but they didn't they didn't really go with it with Thor. They kind of got away from that and did the alien thing because they didn't want that to be the case. I think they wanted people to like Thor. And they didn't want to get into those those darker tones of religious people not, you know, like you you kind of go against faith, like the, all the faith based religions. It's it this kind of it's kind of hard to be a man of faith, and then you see that this guy who's not in the Bible, you know, or is he Jesus? He's not calling himself Jesus Christ. He's not calling himself the Messiah. But this guy with all these powers, he can fly. He can he's super strong. He can go out into space. I mean that that's a major thing. Like to see this figure come out. And then you had a a whole bunch of these people come and pretty much wreck air, you know, almost destroy the world. And then you're supposed to trust that this one guy who's that powerful will never will never turn on people. Right. I don't think anybody would believe that right away. Hmm. And if and if this Superman sets the tone and kind of gets Wonder Woman to come out of the, you know, come out of hiding. Because I would think, you know, the the their mascara is still in hiding and no one knows about it. But if this sparks it where she goes, well, if he's out there, maybe I, you know, should go out there. And then you have Aquaman. Maybe I should go up. And, right. You know, well, it is called Dawn of Justice. And it is like they're bootstrapped to get to the Justice League two-part movie, so... Yeah. Wouldn't be too surprising. Speaking of Wonder yeah. Woman, though, this week, um, uh, Michelle McLaren from uh, who directed uh, Breaking Bad and some other shows um, was uh, slated to be the director of the Wonder Woman movie. She dropped out uh, mm-hmm. for setting creative differences, um, including, uh, according to reports, she wanted uh, Wonder Woman to have a telepathic talking tiger uh, <laughs> as a sidekick. Um, Patty Jenkins, who directed Monster, uh, who was also up to direct Thor: The Dark World, but then got passed over at the last minute. Uh, is the new director for Wonder Woman? So the, the you know it's still back on it's still on track. Um, well, so and I of... have some concerns regarding this. Um, anytime that there's been this whole creative differences thing, I think that's just code for this person's being troublesome. Well, and, I think if you look and, at like well, that, think about uh, it. But but you but you got to think about it. The the original director that was supposed to do Thor was Matthew Vaughn. When they found out his vision for it, they didn't want him to do it. They didn't. He wanted to do an epic Viking type Thor that was more of a big, strong, darker story, and they did not want to go that route. They wanted to go a lighter tone. He's he was off the film. They did well, that Kenneth with Branagh was a genius, and I was happy with him on the first Thor. Even yeah, it's just the- a point of, it's, it's not a point of a problem, just a point of you're a studio and you have a vision for what you want to do. If your directors have a hard time giving up that control, not right. every director can do this. Like Edgar, Edgar Wright right. and Ant-Man. I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, and I'm still, I don't know about that. Now yet for either, her, but, I read the, but here's the, the thing is I read yesterday uh-huh. that 
the the big creative difference besides the whole tiger thing and all that, which I agree with them on that. Um, it'd be cool for her to have a tiger sidekick, but not the telepathic shit. That's dumb. But um, DC Warner Brothers wanted a more character driven movie and less action. So I really hope that that doesn't mean this is going to just be one long drama superhero type thing because this is the this is the point this this was where dc is doing something that marvel has not yet done you know marvel's had good females strong female characters but they have yet to have a film where the female is the lead this is going to be that chance to show you know we can have a female superhero who is the lead in her own film and it's a great action story with characters, with good development and all of that. And to me, she was more slated and more had more experience, you know, directing Breaking Bad, Walking Dead and all that stuff. To me, she would have been, you know, quintessential in pulling something like that off. Now, this person with Monster, uh, you know, that was a great film, but I don't know. It, it doesn't seem that the DNA is there in her directing, directing experience like it was in the other ones, and I'm just afraid it's going to be one long character-driven drama. I see the opposite, because if you, if this was a Marvel movie and someone said a person wanted to come in and do a char- they wanted to develop the character that has never been on screen before i don't think you'd have those thoughts because they've already proved they can do movies that you like they want to develop wonder woman as a character like she's never been done on screen before i would think that that's an improvement than doing there- a cardboard cutout there a, was nothing character. saying the other one wasn't going to be character driven or it have did say that it did. The I article read I read yesterday was saying that that she just had too many action scenes and sequences in life. Right, she wanted to do more of a of a bigger in scope story, but for the first movie, they want they didn't want to go big. They wanted to develop the character. I would think that would be a positive to actually want to develop the character of Wonder Woman. You can balance it too. I mean, look at the right. first look at the first Cap movie. Exactly. You know, it had a really good balance of both characterization and action. You know, I mean, or can, even it, Iron Man it, itself, the right. first Iron Man that right. launched everything, yeah. was very action packed, but yet very character driven. And, and it doesn't have to be well, an either actually, or. If you think about it, doesn't it have to be an either or proposition. You no, know, it doesn't have both. to be an even or. They're not saying they're not going to do an action packed, but they wanted to develop. They wanted to do more of a character driven superhero story. That's not saying that they don't want to do action. That's just saying that they want a, a character developed story like you're reading into it that they're just going to have Wonder Woman just sitting around chilling mm-hmm. well I'm not, not saying that anything. but it just seems like it's going to be more I mean it's a superhero film it's part of this DNA they're building for the Justice League give me action I don't want Which, uh, Wonder you can't Woman have around it gonna, you know, it's going to have, do it's gonna have action have it's it both ways. should I wear should I wear the star blue pants or Wait, the Chubb, star you can't, blue underwear I got I got <laughs> that but you can't have it both ways the complaints that one that DC and Warner Brothers have had with their superhero stuff is that you don't have strong women in your stuff you don't develop women. Right. Why can't they do a good Wonder Woman story? What is the problem developing this character? Why haven't they done this? 
you can't say on one hand say that and then they, they want to do a story where they're going to develop her character and hopefully give her a strong storyline and then no, you're like I'm, well i don't no daryl you're misunderstanding me i'm fine with that i want her to have a character building and in and, and make it a very strong female character but at the same time like jim said you can balance it you can have the action in there and still do that you know and to me that's where the other the first director was going she seemed like she wanted to have all this action but that didn't mean she wasn't going to develop the character yeah but she, how do you know that yeah, we right, haven't seen any we haven't I'm seen anything going off what i've read so you know right, and but the, that doesn't you tell you but know the internet doesn't lie matthew vaughn if we go back with with the the thor thing matthew vaughn wanted to do his thing was the same thing he wanted to do a bigger more encompassing story where it started with thor in the past being the irresponsible Thor, being with the Vikings, the whole thing, and then it would build towards him in going through his, you know, change and then becoming the more responsible Thor that we have now. And it was supposed to be a bigger in scope thing, and they didn't want to go that way. They wanted it to be a little bit smaller, a little bit more personal, and then bring in the the earth stuff they wanted to have the jane foster and that type of stuff more in in the forefront of it so it's the same i mean they, they said the same thing kind of and people like thor and it wasn't action i mean the it was action in the front but if you really break it down even with iron man there's not a lot of action in it it's just that it's paced very well there's more stuff going on with him becoming tony stark the way you know becoming the more responsible tony stark but if you really break it down he's not even really in the armor that much so what you're saying is both directors could have the balance it's just that this one's gonna be able to pace it better we i don't know i'm just saying that could be the, it could be the case i'm just saying the action stuff like if you break down a lot of the movies that have been very successful they have not been action-packed stuff like if you if you break down <laughs> how they worked it out like tony Stark getting hurt um being put in that cave having to they save him for the first part building the armor then you have the action scene of him getting out with the armor then he goes back he goes home then he's trying to rebuild you have all these other a lot of character stuff is going on with him where he's kind of reassimilating himself back into society he's kind of turning against the way that he used to be he's opening his eyes to the co- to the, what his company's doing gets into that thing with right. the reporter reporter sets him off he builds the suit finishes it up goes to fly off takes those guys out comes back not iron man again for a little bit then you have more where he gets betrayed and in, and then they take you know they do, do the thing where they take the thing from him with the last part where they take out his uh his heart and and then he has to get the other heart and fight and and get him back and then you have the action at the end but it's just paced very well and you're so and I, I think agree. because he carries it so well as being Tony Stark you don't it doesn't bother anybody that he's not in the armor as much as he is you don't even notice it because right. they, they, it's done so and I and I'm fine with, and I get your point I do I totally do I'm just very <sighs> 
I feel there's a lot banking on this Wonder Woman film more than success for DC and Warner Brothers. I think that there's a lot banking on it for having a strong female superhero lead and it be a good movie received by men and women alike. And and I mean, and just to break down, part of that reasoning is I have a four-year-old niece. She's almost five. I -hmm. just bought her two golden books. You know, one was about Batman and one was about Wonder Woman. And she was going to read them to me over Skype, and she wanted to read the Batman one first, and I asked her why. And she said, well, because the boy superheroes are stronger than the girl superheroes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my f- almost five-year-old niece, that young, is already distinguishing that bothers me. Of course, I had a talk with her, and she understands, I hope. But, you know, I I don't need my four-year-old niece or Jim's four-year-old daughter or, you know, any of these little girls that are coming up in in the world right now thinking that mentality of inequality needs to go away. And right Mm -hmm. now in movies, more and more, the female leads are starting to, to come out, you know, and, 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 and more force than before, but it's still very much a male dominated uh, industry as far as characters and that is why this film is very important more so than just part of the justice league but i would rather they make the changes they need to make now because remember we still got what two years three three i would rather they do what they need to do to to get a director that they can work with now instead of getting into production of this film and then it's just a fight back and forth, and then they have to scrounge to try to fix it, and it's a mess. Yeah, agreed. And I, I agree. Mean, I agree look at you. this way too. Okay, you're swapping out a seasoned television director mm-hmm. for a director who's done feature films, who's worked with big projects and large interconnected productions before. Again, you know, she worked on Thor two for a while. I mean, right. I think I think it's like a it's a good lateral move. I mean, if the they weren't happy with you know the the vision that the director was bringing, and the director wasn't willing to play ball with the you know, DC Universe, and, you know, you're right, Daryl, it's a good thing they got it now and not, you know, when the movie was uh, halfway done filming. Um, yeah, and and you've changed my mind. I, I can see your point of view there, Daryl, definitely. Because I, I just, look, it really, it it really the, it worries could... me whenever there's turmoil in something going on. You know, less right. with Marvel, because they have a proven track record. Right, and, and they've kept it other quiet. Other than Batman doesn't have a proven track record. Well, Marvel, and, Marvel has pretty much kept it quiet with their changes. Like, they don't really have the... the it's not a big thing when they when they go through changes. But it's just the thing. It's the way of the world. I remember there were complaints of directors now. They're destroying director. You know, the, the, the role of the director is becoming diminished because of these big-budget superhero films because it's not about the director anymore it's about the direction and the vision of the company instead of the direct the personal director but yet and still we've still had enjoyable movies so i don't think it's it's the same deal but it's just the thing of you're a director for these films you have to you either have to work with it's like comics you either work with the the direction of these films that are all connected to each other now yeah. or don't do them well, because you, you look at marvel they they know i mean you have really interesting directors like james gunn or the russos or or you know the um kenneth Brown, and they're not like big name directors well None Ken, of them are big, yeah big name directors but i mean I, I mean the russos and joss whedon all came mm-hmm. from television you know and stuff 
but they've done some really good creative work, you know, and been able to direct. And then you have other directors like, you know, this woman, Michelle McLaren, and uh, and like Mm -hmm. Edgar Wright with Ant-Man, who just can't, you know, see eye to eye with what Marvel's doing. So If this was a couple of years ago, before they did the all of the connected universe stuff, somebody like the Russos would never have gotten a big budget film like Winter Soldier. Yeah, you're because right. Because of their background. They wouldn't then, even be looked at. And as far as the proven track record thing, like ten or fifteen years ago, the only thing Marvel Studios had going on were blade movies. Yeah. I mean you know, so I mean yeah. it, it'd be real easy for DC to turn it around. So we'll we'll so, see. It could still sell, so. but I mean we'll see. That's what'll make it interesting, is that we'll see. Um we got the trailer this week with the release of uh Batman versus Robin. Um you want a short review of that? Eh. Not that good. No. What um, the movie? Yeah, Batman versus Robin. The, the I still haven't gotten to see it because the one that was being delivered from Best Buy got on back order, and now I'm getting it this coming week. So yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It was kind I of was so disappointed in this. Yeah. I mean, this is red to me. This is, I think this is like one of the worst of the new ones. Oh jeez. Yeah. To me, I mean, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't, I didn't like it very much either. They, had, they like. Tried to smush two of the Batman storylines together, and they kind of like got le- you know lessened the impact of both. And didn't do the character stuff at all in this. Like that, uh-huh. I, I think that this is one of those where the big it had action in it because they're fighting the owls, but it just didn't. The the characters were so cardboard to me. Yeah, it didn't have any of the mystique of the Court of Owls that the story did in the comic. Yeah, it kind of just kind of whitewashed them. Like, hey, here's these dudes, and they're the owls. Oh, and- that's- terrible because i really love that storyline and that's why i was kind of looking forward to this one which i well i'm still going to watch it because i ordered it but on the bright side though we got the trailer for the next dc installment which will be justice league gods and monsters now this is crazy an original story by bruce tim Alan mm-hmm. Burnett, his collaborator from Justice League and batman animated series you had me at bruce tim yeah now check this out Benjamin Bratt plays Superman, but Superman is General Zod's son, Zod L. Crazy. Um, Michael C. Hall from Dexter plays Batman, but this Batman is like an actual genetic vampire. Kind Insane. Of like, kind of like Morbius. Yes. Um, Tamara Taylor is Wonder Woman, but she's the daughter of Ares, so she's like the goddess of war. And it's like a whole reshuffling of the deck of the DCU. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not based cool. on any else world story from before. It's an original story from Bruce Tim, uh, Sam Liu, who's directed, uh, um, Batman year one and all-star Superman is the director. And, uh, like I said, working from a screenplay by Burnett and Tim, uh, the trailer looks really like, I like, you know, Daryl saying just insane. It really plays on the, and the whole thing of, uh, it's funny because it plays a lot on what they do did in the trailer with the false gods and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like these superheroes are more are not superheroes. They're they're pretty much just as dangerous, if not more so, than the than the people they claim to be the villains that they fight. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting. I know they're like not quite the Injustice Gang, but not mm-hmm. quite the Justice League either. It's it, it'll be interesting to check it out. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's very dark too. It, they said that it's very violent. It would be very. It's going to be very a dark story. We have a uh, a trailer on our. By the way, we have a Facebook group called the DC TV Podcast. You should definitely go there and join our Facebook group because we're constantly putting up all the latest trailers, all the latest DC TV and movie news. 
uh, all the things you want to know about, we will put on there. And uh, right now we have the uh, trailer for the next episode of The Flash, Grodd Lives, with the official mm-hmm. synopsis for that. So I uh, know Johnny M will be very happy. We also have the, uh, the Superhero Fight Club promo. I don't know if we went too deep into this last uh, episode, but it's a three-minute promo that uh, WB shot with pretty much all of their superhero characters kind of fighting in a fight club type setup. That, that was cool, and I, I, I was watching it live when it, they had it on the commercial break, and I was like, is, are, are they putting together some kind of video game? I was trying to figure out what they were promoting because it didn't feel like they were promoting the TV shows. Right. And I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh, this was just a promo for the TV shows, but mm-hmm. it was cool, very it, cool. It was pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, the entire cast, um, cast uh, uh, pretty much of superheroes from both Arrow and Flash are in the promo, and you can watch that as DCTV podcast Facebook group. Plus, every uh, week we ask you what you think of the shows that we cover on DCTV podcast, and this is no this week was no exception. Uh, there were no thoughts on Gotham so much this week. I guess people maybe have fallen off of the show or trying to get uh, caught up with it or whatnot. Um, we do, however, have a, a link on the DCTV podcast Facebook group to Aaron Newer's review at theyoungfolks.com of Gotham. He writes a new review of the new episodes of Gotham every week as they come out. If you want to check what, uh, what he has to say about things. But we did have a lot of people who wanted to say something about The Flash, of course, because it was quite, yeah, The Flash is pretty awesome, and it was a pretty awesome episode, so. Um, John Davis wrote in, um... We, we asked, you know, one of the questions we asked, you know, is the Adam too much Iron Man for you? <laughs> uh, John Davis, you know, I think he will shrink. The bee in the glass is another Easter egg. Here's a prediction. Harrison Wells becomes himself again, and Eddie Thawne takes over by, gets taken over by Eobard. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that. Oh, that would be a cool way to keep Wells around, you know, and still have the reverse flash. So, Interesting. Um, and we uh, had a couple people asking their hard, hard time finding DCTV podcast. Um, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, and we are also available at hhwlod.com. So those are all places you can find the show. Or you can just uh, link up to the Facebook group. We have a direct link there every week when we put it up. So you can just download straight from the Facebook group if you want. Uh, Robert Cooper wrote in about Flash. I have a theory kind of like John Davis's. I think Barry will time travel back and stop Thrawn. Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Here, take your drinks. Gulp, gulp, gulp. <laughs> um, back and stop Thrawn from killing the original Wells. Then you keep Tom Cavanaugh and you can set up the original Thrawn actor as a new unknown person to bury in the present. Or like John suggested, he will take someone else's place. Carlos Carmona wrote in, didn't realize that was Beth from The Walking Dead as the Queen Bee. Yes, it was. Emily, Emily Kinney. And Adam Fatah, uh, I enjoyed the episode, except for the dinner date part. <laughs> that was awful. It's so Ooh. unnecessary. Couldn't agree more, Adam. Definitely. Thanks for writing in. Uh, we had some people with some thoughts about Arrow, too. Uh, Stephen the Barge, uh, is it possible that Captain Lance has been altered by Raish to go after Oliver subconsciously? I guess he's gone overboard in the manhunt. I guess it's possible. I don't know. They didn't really show that, though. I guess they could show it in a flashback or something. I would explain why he's so single-minded, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, him feeling betrayed over Sarah's death. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I saw the preview for next week with Thea in the hospital bed. All I could think of is, how does he keep stabbing people through and through without them dying? 
Good question. Does his sword magically miss every major organ? Great show. Uh, Mikey Wood says the season's been kind of all over the place. I still quite enjoy it. Uh, but it be, needs a bit more focus. Emmanuel Gibson, yeah, I'm curious to uh, find where Roy falls in. Now, maybe this means he'll be part of the spinoff show or he'll come back in another season or something to spend time on all three shows. Uh, I'm thinking they're getting to the point where Oliver may be alone again, at least temporarily. Uh, Timothy J. Cedric of the Geek Exchange of Pennsylvania. Uh, I wonder how many sharks they have left to jump. So A becomes B, B dies, and we'll come back and see who dies at the end of season one will actually become A. Seriously, if this wasn't for the Flash tie-in, I would be done with it completely. Uh, Joseph Gaines wrote in, I honestly thought Roy was dead. I'm so gullible. Yeah, I think you're not the only one there. I think Rich said he would, he, he thought he was dead, too. Oh, they got me. Uh, John Davis said, uh, I, it was weird that Rache was not in the episode until the end. Um, and then uh, James Conner, the Lazarus Pit is losing his potency when healing Rache, and he took it as a sign to step down. He chose Oliver because he was the first to re- survive a duel with the demon's head. Uh, I'm still liking the show, but I'm not very comfortable with the fact that two departures, Deadshot and Arsenal, were made for obvious studio contract reasons and didn't fit the flow of the show. I, Are I, they studio contract? Well, Deadshot, they took off the table because of the Suicide Squad movie. And right, I know Arsenal, about that. And, uh, and uh, Colton Haynes, who plays Arsenal, you know, his contract is up this uh, season. For the amount of seasons ah. he's done, so I mean that doesn't mean that doesn't close the door on him ever coming back for the spinoff show or coming right. back or whatever. But that's what he, his contract is for so far. So that's one of the reasons he's kind of you know going being written off the show for a little while. But I imagine you're a fan of DC TV or else you wouldn't be listening to this podcast this long. So if you are, definitely join our Facebook group. Leave us a review on iTunes. We still have that contest going on. Any digital DC TV download. Within reason. <laughs> and um, doc, Dr. Steve T is still the only review we have, so oh, he's going to win. Please go to the iTunes. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. If you've been listening to this long, I imagine you're a fan of all good things geeky and TV. And if that's the, the case, then you need to go to HHWLOD Media Network. We have a whole bunch of podcasts there, including It's All Connected, which covers the Marvel Studios output. They have a couple episodes already about Daredevil up. They're going to cover all the episodes from Netflix on, on Daredevil, so you definitely want to check them out. Plus, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, you know, we have some uh, a couple of movies from the Marvel guys coming out this summer, so definitely check that out. We also have the Walking Dead TV podcast covering all of your Walking Dead TV needs, and we're going to do some stuff in the uh, off-season here, going back and looking at some of the episodes, maybe doing some commentaries and uh, maybe doing an all-spoiler-out episode that a lot of people liked, where we kind of go deep in comparison with the storylines from the comics, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, we have the Ichapod Cranecast that covers Sleepy Hollow, out now with Aaron and Abe. It covers all the brand new movies that are coming out every week. Uh, we just did a commentary track with Abe and Aaron and Mr. Brandon Peters of Naptown Nerd for the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie from 2003. I still can't get the evanescence out of my hair. It uh, was a fun listen. Yeah, oh, thanks. I, we really had a lot of fun doing it. And you know, I didn't realize the director's cut has 100% more Coolio than the non-director's cut. So... <laughs> Daredevil. <laughs> but if you want to find a way to make that movie palatable, you probably have the DV light hanging around. Just pop it in and listen to that commentary track. It's a lot of fun as well. Check out HHWLOD.com for all kinds of blogs and news and fun and games and confetti and prizes and elephants. And when you get done with all that good stuff, go over to the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. There's a whole other network of podcasts over there, led by the mogul himself, Mr. Daryl Taylor, who's uh, dulcet tones of graced this show. 
um, oh, you can check out Nothing's On, which is the show that Donnie and Daryl and I do about TV and movies. You can uh, do No Apologies, which is the show that takes no prisoners about anything geeky or pop culture related. The uh, Cuck Rack Snark Fest. We have Arts and Crap covering all of your scone movies, independent movies, things of that nature. Um, all kinds of great podcasts over at the Terry Little Network of Podcasts.com. Check that out as well. And until next week, we have another full slate of four DC TV shows. We are ghosts. Thank you, guys. Bye.